Well, hey, Soma, this is Brandon Shields, and I have with me the one and only James Piscasio, and we are here as an elder tag team um, to talk and just do a special episode, a couple, actually two episodes, I think, maybe three, who knows? We'll see how long we go here. But a couple of episodes, we want to talk about eldership and actually talk about leadership in the church at Soma and and really um, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. I know in this season, there's been a lot of transition um, in our church. And, um, and so that's caused, I think, in a healthy way, people to step back and maybe some of you have questions about, you know, um, what does it look like to be an elder? What do the elders do? Um, how does one become an elder? And what are we thinking in terms of the future? And so we just wanted to take some time together to talk through that and to, again, pull back the curtain and maybe demystify eldership. Um, because I think in some ways, people might be surprised to learn that it's a very human thing that we do. And there's a lot of mundane tasks and activities that go on and, and go into eldership. And so understanding how the sausage is made, so to speak, is not as glorious as some may seem. There's no cloud descending uh, on Mount Sinai and our faces glowing. Uh, it's a very, it's a process uh, that's, that's fraught with a lot of, uh, yeah, just very ordinary human stuff. And yet, it's an awesome calling and it's a, it's a, it's a weight and a burden. And so we'd want to bring you into that and maybe answer some of those questions and talk about where, how we got to where we are now. Cause I think the biography and the story is, is really important to keep in mind. And then to talk a little bit about where we see going in the future. And so I thought it might be helpful, James, just to um, talk about kind of how we got to where we are now um, and what, yeah. what the, kind of the story and the history is of eldership, because um, that that's just important context for people to know. So, we started this church. We planted this church um, in 2011, and I think, uh, in large part, is you know, it's a kind of a weird thing to like start a church from scratch. You're like, we could literally do anything that like within biblical parameters in terms of how you design it. And there's a lot that the Bible doesn't actually say about how to govern a church, how to lead a church, because it's a missionary handbook and it's meant to be applied in all kinds of different cultural contexts. And so it gives you elder qualifications and it tells you what elders should look like and who they should aspire to be and all kinds of things. But there's also a lot that it doesn't say, and it wasn't written to a, a 21st century uh, context. And so as we begin to wrestle through that and think through what do our bylaws look like? What does a constitution look like? What, what does elder governance look like? Um, we had a conviction that we wanted to be elder led. Um, I had come out of context in the past. So just kind of recapping a little bit of my story, I became a Christian as a teenager in a in an environment, a context where there was a lot of hypocrisy. Uh, the the men that led me to Christ actually turned out to be adulterers, and so I had this kind of deep suspicion about church leadership and a little bit of cynicism, probably about uh, you know, particularly in this model where you just had a solo senior pastor who was kind of the dude and uh, really could do whatever he wanted um, without a whole lot of accountability. So. I came under the conviction in my twenties through reading and studying scripture and, and just reflecting on my own desires and my own, you know, just fear and trembling about ministry that men team leadership was really important. And, and I think you see that throughout the new Testament where uh, regardless of what you think about eldership, you definitely see a team. You see Paul with over a hundred different kind of co-conspirators. You, you see Paul um, at least in our reading of, of uh, this, you know, appointing elders, plural, in, uh, in cities to lead churches and, uh, and to guide and to shepherd them. And so that was a, always a conviction for us. 
but we had no idea what it actually looked like to, to design something that's that, that works in a functional and a healthy way. And so the first season was a lot of trial and error it was me as the only elder for the first, you know, three or four years of Soma's existence, but always with an eye to raising up elders um, within our church. And so we, I spent a couple of years just investing in a group of men that I felt like had the potential to be elders, um, both formally and informally kind of mentoring these guys. And, and several of them expressed a desire to pastor the first ones, those being Kent Livingston and Adam Ringo, who I'd known Adam since he was in middle school, I was his youth pastor. And, uh, and then uh, they moved here with us to plant the church. And so he had always had that calling and that desire to be a pastor, but not vocationally in terms of his job. And so, um, so we took them through a process of assessment. I mean, they went through probably the most rigorous assessment you could, they were the first ones. Um, and so uh, went through a rigorous process of reading tons of books and uh, assessing and looking into every nook and cranny of their lives. And eventually, uh, I think it was 2014, uh, they began to come on as, as elders of the church and were actually affirmed as uh, our first uh, group of elders. Uh, and kind of prior to that, we'd had another guy here, Peyton Dowd, who I think you knew um, for a yep. short season as a staff elder. He came and then uh, ended up leaving the church uh, just for some health reasons, moved back to Florida where he was from. So kind of our first attempt is a false start. Then uh, we have Adam and, and Kent come in as the first uh, non-staff elders at that time, Kent would eventually come on staff as a, as a staff elder. Um, and then shortly thereafter, God just was bringing men to our church who uh, had a desire to, to pastor. And so we added uh, Phil Edwards as a staff elder. We added uh, Nate Denlevy, Andrew Hughes, Jonathan Collard, Grant Binger, you know, this, this cadre men, I think got all the way up to about 10 elders between the three churches. Um, you came on in there uh, shortly after that, just a couple of years ago. And so, um, so yeah, then, then this year we made the decision as a, as a cooperative, as a network of churches to separate legally 501c3s and then to separate our elder teams. And so we went from having a really big elder team governing three churches to then um, a really small elder team. And now with uh, Jonathan transitioning off just a few uh, weeks ago with Grant transitioning uh, jobs here um, in short order and with Adam stepping off to uh, take a sabbatical, it's now you and I. And so that's, yeah. that's uh, it's a much different place than we anticipated being uh, just even a, a year or two ago. But um, that's kind of how we got to where, where we are now. And so I say all that to say it's a really rich history. And I think we've had seasons where, man, we've had just a really great, robust elder team that has leaned into a lot of hard things, served the church so well, sacrificed uh, so much um, to get the church to where they are now. And I think it's important to kind of keep all that in mind as we think about, I mean, that's what you were originally kind of invited into, but it was always the plan for us to plant these other churches and for them to grow up into maturity and eventually for us to say kind of goodbye. But, but these guys are still here. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we had an opportunity to get together on a zoom call and we're still, I, I was just with Bobby Barber, one of our pastors today at Summit Northwest. So I think knowing that we've still got access to these relationships, but it is different. I think there's a lot of mourning and sadness uh, over uh, the ways some of those changes have unfolded. And yet I think a sense of hopefulness about where we're going in the future, which we'll talk, I don't get to later, but. I don't know, anything you would add to that yeah. story? Yeah, it was always um, apparent that to have a team of elders, the the church could thrive. 
um, a good men that were called into this role and then that said, hey, I want to serve in this way, um, was, was going to be great for, for the health of the church. It, it provides a level of cover. It provides a level of accountability for each other, for each other's families, um, to where we can really grow and, and develop. And uh, it seemed like we would get to start to taste that and see that and, you know, a strong wind would come and, and something would uh, go a little sideways and then there'd be an adjustment and, you know, we get back up and then another adjustment, uh, you know, it's just kind of been the history of, of SOMA. So um, I think it's always, to your point, always been in the plan. Um, however, <laughs> our plans have, you know, kind of gone sideways at times. And I, I think that's just some of the messiness of ministry, that's some of the messiness of, of, of the world and, and just some of the realities that we face. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about, I mean, I think it'd be helpful for people to understand a little bit more. They hear from me a lot more just on Sundays and um, as the church planning founder um, or one of the co-founders, but don't get to hear as much from you and the other elders as to kind of your story. What does it look like to go from, I mean, just share a little bit about your background in terms of your calling to be an elder, be a pastor how did that kind of, what was the genesis of that? How did that get started? And how did you actually work through that process? Like, what does the development process look like for somebody who may be asking the question, okay, maybe I feel called to be an elder one day, or how do they, do they just like, you know, randomly pick random people and, you know, what do you actually do to like, you know, get assessed and developed? And uh, so just walk us through a little bit of that story of kind of how you went from this initial sense of call to, have actually been voted in and affirmed and placed as an elder at SOMA? Sure. Uh, my wife, Allison, will always say that there's there's never something that I do or I have an experience with that doesn't have a story attached to it. <laughs> um, there's, there's a long story about everything in my life. I'll, I'll try to make it short. I grew up in a church, um, a small house church. It started in Las Vegas where we lived and then we followed that group to Florida. So we moved cross country, uh, family, my dad got another job. Um, uh, we had just built a house, but you know, we felt the Lord's call to, to follow this church to Florida and kind of relocate. My parents also wanted to raise their, their sons in a spot that wasn't Las Vegas for obvious reasons because it's Las Vegas. Um, so we were tied pretty tightly to this, this group of people. And, and Brandon talked earlier about, you know, sitting under a senior pastor. We had a senior pastor, uh, his name is Pastor Jones, which um, is a great senior pastor name. Uh, and he had, uh, for, for us kids, he was the senior pastor. There was no Jack Jones. He didn't have a story of brokenness. He he had a, a bit of an aura around him. And anytime he would come around, we'd all kind of sit up straight because hey, the senior pastor was here, right? Um, but me, you know, I, I loved the church, loved everything that, that we got to do by way of praising God, worshiping God, spending time in his word, very young age, and through this whole process and like following um, following the church of Florida. Um, and not so many the words that church kind of imploded. Um, the, the, the struggle with having this kind of veiled leadership is that when brokenness happens, uh, we start to realize that, that these folks are, are humans and, you know, sinful in need of God's grace. 
uh, we forget that, then implosion happens and then the church kind of fell apart. And that and that's what happened. It was really hard to process. I think it was um fourteen or fifteen at the time, uh, when that church came to a close. It came out that uh, the the pastor was, you know, not a great guy. Um, you know, just abuse abusive verbally. Uh he's a really hard man and, and we could see as I played back the reels of just how he, he treated us and treated people around him, you start to see that. Um so we stopped going to church for a period of time and just kind of gave up on the church. And for me in, in those years, I had wanted, wanted nothing to do with the church. Uh, so you can fast forward to me being in Indiana, going to college at, at Butler, um, graduating and, and uh, with, with Allison, um, we wanted to find a church community. Uh, we had been part of a, a college ministry called Crew. And um, now that we're graduating, we wanted to, to, to go to a local church and commit to a local church. Um, so early on, we, we probably joined SOMA a year after they had launched, still figuring things out, um, meeting over at the Oaks in, in the auditorium. And I remember sitting there and, and realizing, you know, coming through that whole story of, of church brokenness and, and redemption and sitting there and thinking, man, if we can, if we can worship God uh, with this group of people on, you know, fold out chairs in a, in a middle school, uh, I think we'll be all right. We don't need all the trappings of uh, success when it comes to, to churches. That's what I understood at that time. Huge buildings, fog machines, lights, the, the whole little bit. I was just happy to be with a group of people that we worship God. Um, and it started to really develop a, a, a love for uh, the, the folks that were around us. Um, early on. So the, the college, John and Beth, um, Joe and Katie Mays, um, uh, Randy and his uh, wife, uh, uh, Marissa, who moved back to uh, North Carolina. But, you know, we started to, uh, you know, start to get a group of people around us. Right. And um, started to see that, hey, man, we're, we're broken. We're, we're trying to figure this out. But, you know, God's grace is sufficient. We can repent and, and there's forgiveness for us. Um, and one of the things that that I loved about our leadership, um, both both you, Brandon, did this a lot. Kent would do this and, and communicate this. Was just the uh, the brokenness, how God was redeeming uh, you guys, sanctifying sanctifying you guys um, uh, every day throughout your lives, and that was really impactful for me. Coming from that story, uh, senior pastors didn't do that, right? Senior pastors had a had an aura. Uh, senior pastors were above all the messiness of of life, right? So, you know, that, that was a, of an example of, Hey, we can, we can lead, we can serve and we can still communicate. Hey, we're broken and we need God. And so over the years, over those early years, there'd be times for uh, cohorts or um, the guys would get together, do some, some guys ministry stuff. And uh, I remember this, uh, Brandon, you have reached out and said, Hey man, we're doing this cohort. Guys are um, going to meet, um, basement, and I uh, think you should be a part of it. And I said no. <laughs> I was like, I think you got somebody. I think you meant to have somebody else. Uh, I kind of stiff arm, but then you persisted and showed up, and I was really glad I did. And this had to be maybe a year after we had started coming, so this was early on, so young, right out of college, um, and starting to see a pursuit from yourself and some of the other people within the church. Um, 
And he's that in that cohort. Dante Cook, uh, David Webb, you know, Trevor, a lot, a lot of great guys, a lot of solid guys. Um, John Collar was there. Adam Ringo was there. Um, I mean, just I, I just felt like I didn't deserve to be in that room. <laughs> and, uh, over time, I, I think I still didn't deserve to be in that room, but it, it was really sweet to, you know, see strong men, um, you know, just trying to love, love their families, love the church, love each other, um, love God. That, that was really formative. So um, as we continue at, at SOMA, and continue leading MCs and serving in discipleships and serving in hospitality, serving in kids, doing all the things, not for any kind of the praise or recognition, just because we, you know, we, we started to, to started to love the people that we were around. Uh, I remember sitting with, with Phil Edwards at Panera and we all, all know that Phil loves Panera. And um, we were talking about uh, racial reconciliation and some of the stuff that, that we had been doing up until this point. So um, uh, this is right after the time of Eric Gardner and Michael Brown, Trayvon Martins, um, right around that period for our church. And we're talking about, you know, going to Atlanta, which we did a couple of times, uh, take a group of folks down there, um, have conversations about reconciliation and justice and, you know, God's heart for this and the gospel and how all of this rolls together. And he said, hey, man, um, have you thought about eldership? And I was like, no, <laughs> I think you have the wrong person. Um, I think I'm the wrong person, man. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, you know, do, do what we're doing here and, and serve and love well. And classic Phil, he looked at me and started nodding, squinting. And he was like, I, yeah, I think you should think about this. And I was like, okay, Phil. Um, so, you know, again, you know, more, more times with, with guys in ministry, um, uh, reading God's word, you know, doing some study and it, it got to a point, uh, say 18, 24 months ago, two years ago, uh, we were sitting in a service and I don't know, my, my heart is just full of love for the people that were in the room. Uh, it was a, either a, a Good Friday service or something. I'm looking out and I'm like, man, geez, I just love the people that are here. And um, I want to help and serve the people that are here. Um, and, and whatever, whatever it took to, to do that. We, we had, you know, gone and done some trips and led in some different ways and I was just full. So all that to say, communicated that to the, the elders at the time. Um, that was affirmed by some, some other folks within the church who were really close with. And um, Allison and I, you know, had a lot of conversations throughout this whole process of, hey man, you're, 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 you know, about to step in, step into this. You're going to go through this process. Um, you know, you're young. We're we're young. Um, you're black man at you know predominantly white church. We're in Indiana. Like there are all these all these things that you know in my mind you can you can say this doesn't fit. Uh, but man, we love God. We love the church. We want to serve. Um, so throughout the process of of going through different modules and writing uh, different papers and reading different books, uh, eldership became more about you know, a, a deeper level of service than it did gaining any kind of power. 
So I think back to, you know, my, my history and, you know, the senior pastors and seeing the church implode because power was centralized and there was no accountability and brokenness just, you know, kind of took over, um, you know, stepping into a, a position in which, you know, it, it, it's service focused, it's, you know, um, you're, you're trying to hold each other accountable. Um, all of that became, you know, really attractive and, you know, led us to where, where we were a year ago, where we got installed um, uh, into eldership. So uh, th- this whole process was, was years, um, a lot of trying to stiff arm and run away from God and him chasing us down um, uh, to, to get to where we were. And it was, it was a humble, humble and sweet moment to be installed at elder at, at Midtown. But then also um, I, something that, that was a moment for us to get big headed, but, you know, for, for me to get big headed, like, man, you know, people are saying a lot of great things. We just bask in this moment. I had catch a flight out for a work conference. Um, same day I was installed as, as an elder at, at a flight two hours later. So we, uh, we install me, um, and I'm like, Oh, we get to celebrate for two minutes and then I had to run out, um, <laughs> which was probably for my good. Right. And it was, it was, uh, just, it was a good and bad thing. It was good. I couldn't just sit and, you know, get prideful, but at the same time, it, it sucked because, uh, you know, just communicate how much I love to love the people and um, uh, love the church, you know, it felt like that time was cut short. So now we do that in ways of, of service. And it's like, Hey man, we're, we're going to love through prayer and, you know, checking in and, and doing all the things that we're doing now in the middle of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. that was pretty long, but that's, uh, yeah, man, that, that's how this whole thing kind of came to be. I love that story, man. So neat to reflect on that. So many things. I remember when you first came to me and uh, expressed that desire very reticently uh, at Panera, (laughs) of all places. That's been a very significant part of your elder callings, (laughs) lunches at Panera. But I just remember thinking, yeah, this feels- Our marriage counseling at Panera. (laughs) This (laughs) All of it, all of it at Panera. (laughs) This feels right. And, uh, And I think what I hear in your story is what's so true with everybody that I know that's an, a pastor on staff or an elder lay elder is there's the internal calling, the desire, you know, for Timothy three, if anyone desires this, he desires a, a noble thing, a good thing. So it starts with that internal desire. I mean, not everybody wants to be a pastor, frankly. And you know, yeah. it's not, it's not um, just about privilege or power or authority, you know, it's, it's a burden. Um, and so that internal calling to desire that burden, to want to take on, uh, in a sense, uh, a, a position of, uh, going low, you know, like being the first one to die to themselves, die to their preferences, get into those hard, awkward places that elders have to get in people's lives. Um, as you're dealing with sin and suffering, um, there's that internal call. And then there's the external call and the affirmation from the community that, you know, we don't confer eldership on somebody as a, as a title, that it's actually recognizing people who are already gifted and shepherding, who are doing the work of eldership. We come alongside and we say, yes, we see that. And you're actually effective and fruitful in doing that. And not just in a generic way, but doing that in a way that's particularly fruitful in this particular context. Um, and seeing that tested over years, you know, um, and so that assessment process just is really not about finding uh, perfect men, but about finding flawed men who are committed to being the lead repenters and the lead, uh, the first people to say, like, I love that you were just like, Hey, I don't, I don't feel prepared. I don't feel called. I don't, or not, I don't feel called. I don't feel equipped for this calling. Yeah. And that's always to me, like the first sign of humility, the the kind of guys that should be a pastor, somebody who says, yeah, man, actually 
think I'm, I'm ready. You know, I, th- I think I'm, I'm equipped for this. I'm always a little bit nervous about that guy. Um, you know, so anyways, yeah. it's really neat to <laughs> see people so running this, into the fire yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that 18 month or whatever process <laughs> of development was just, you know, where there, where's their continued need to grow in these core, you know, yeah. character issues or competency issues or capacity issues. Um, you know, we have six C's that we use to assess and develop alongside uh, of guys and we, we come alongside, but it's the work is always ongoing. And so there's a lot that I'm sure, you know, uh, we all are continuing to grow and to learn um, what it means to be an elder. As you've come in over the last year, um, you know, what, uh, what's been like uh, a surprise, you know, like, oh, I never, I didn't expect this, or I didn't know it'd be like this. Um, and, and what's been the most fun, you know, like what's been something you're like, man, I love, I really love doing this uh, and I get to do it you know, at a higher level as an elder. And then, Hey man, I, this has been a surprise or a challenge that I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, so I was talking to a couple of guys about, about this and this will lead into uh, my answer, but there's, you know, you get called by God to be an elder, right? You feel that call. And then, you know, you, get called to a church to, to elder and shepherd that church. Right. I look at those as, as two, two separate things in that, I mean, if you're called to be an elder, you're going to be an elder. Um, and how you do that within an organization, within a church body, um, you know, it's particular and contextual to that church body. So uh, to, to be able to we say serve and love uh, the folks at SOMA has been really sweet and, and, um, really challenging at times because of the pandemic and because of uh, some distance. Um, but we, we definitely feel, feel called to both of those things here. Uh, it's, it's been, you know, really fun. Let's say it's been really fun connecting with, um, you know, connecting with you, connecting with the team, connecting with people at, at a deeper level. Uh, what we kind of find is that, you know, you're doing the work of, an elder at times before you're an elder, right? So we're having conversations with people. Uh, we're, we're reading the uh, reading the Bible and, and you know pulling out truths from the Bible together in a way that's uh, really impactful, like serving people and giving life to people. Uh, and all that all that's man been 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 really really sweet, um, especially throughout this this season of unrest with uh, racial injustice and just taking different steps. Uh, deeper to help people understand um, what's going on in, in the hearts of, of our nation, what's going on in, in my heart as, as I start to interpret and look at these things. Um, all that, all that's been, you know, difficult work, but it's all been really sweet. Um, so I think what's been most challenging, you know, outside of, you know, just not being around each other, uh, not being around the church physically, what's been, what's been the most challenging is, is not, being able to always communicate, you know, the level of love that, that I have for the church, right. And I have for the people sitting in the church and, and coming to some midtown and um, our visitors and our members and how much um, I want to see them grow and, 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 you know, go to new heights and deeper depths and, and the Lord and their relationship with the Lord and their relationship with each other. Um, yeah, man, like it, you talk about those burdens and the things that I find myself up at, at two and three o'clock in the morning thinking about is like, man, how do we, how do we do that? Am I, am I doing enough there? Uh, we just had little baby girl, uh, Emma, four months ago. 
and um, she has required a lot of our time and headspace. And it's it's a really sweet season uh, with her to do that. But the same at the same time, uh, we think about all the folks that we can't you know engage with during this time. Um, and that and that's challenging, especially being in this role for the last year. So much movement has happened, and I feel like we haven't been super settled um, in this world because of everything that's happened and, have, and some of the, the things that we've had to tackle. Um, so, yeah, we definitely feel optimistic about the future, but we see <laughs> we see those challenging pers- those challenges persisting for at least a little bit more within this season here. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think none of us knew. I mean, it was a year ago. I've sent you that picture of you and Allison uh, sitting up on stage <laughs> a year ago this week being installed. And none yeah. of us knew that in a couple months we'd be facing a uh, historic global crisis on so many fronts. Um, you know, and so I think you've gotten baptized by fire, bro, this year uh, coming in <laughs> as an elder. Probably the hardest year to be an elder uh, in a long time. Yeah. And and this has been your first uh, for you. I feel like it's, it's only going to be downhill from here for you. So... Uh, <laughs> We do but a lot of been, things that way, man. I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's been surprising. Though. I think none of us knew. Like, yeah. Obviously, so much of what yeah. was going to happen uh, has been a little bit of a, I want to say a shock because it's not like, you know, some scandal or anything, just just surprising in the ways that uh, yeah. Providence works and in the ways that, you know, things that we didn't anticipate happening have all kind of happened in very short order. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I, I, can, I will, I will I say it, resilience it and all that. <laughs> Yeah, it has been uh, really interesting to lay these things out. Uh, so we moved up to Indiana uh, the, the year that President Obama gets sworn in. Um, now, man, you're going to Indiana. There are no black people in Indiana. <laughs> I was like, okay, but, you know, it, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Like, we'll figure this thing out. Nobody you know, friends here. Wrong? So, like, we do that. I know. And, and we do that. Um, I, I get married uh, to my wife, and then, you know, the world blows up. Uh, again, from continued racial injustice, and we get like thrown together into these conversations about that. And then, you know, not not only we step into to your point, eldership uh, in the midst of all this craziness, not knowing it, but we, you know, we have a little baby. Um, so I, I think it, it's it's not me, but it's like, hey man, we're somebody has the hard button pressed on some of the things that we have, but uh, you know, God's been been faithful to us and, and good to us and giving us you know, grace upon grace with with really great folks to support and help us through all of this stuff. Um.